What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 15 of Courtside Views. I'm your host, Andrew Bostic. This week on Thursday, the NBA All-Star starters were announced, and some key names were there, like LeBron James, his 18th consecutive season was announced, but also a very shocking name was announced in the starting lineup for the Western Conference by the name of Andrew Wiggins. Alongside him was John Morant, Nikolai Jokic, as well as Steph Curry. And for the Eastern Conference, you have Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Before we get into the Eastern Conference, we have to talk about how on earth Andrew Wiggins was named an NBA All-Star starter. Let alone an NBA All-Star. When you look at Andrew Wiggins' numbers overall, he's averaging 18 points, 4 rebounds, and just over 2 assists per game, shooting a little over 40% from 3 and just over 42% from the field. Those numbers don't scream All-Star, let alone All-Star starter. He got 4 votes from the NBA media, and I have absolutely no idea how on earth this happened when you have guys like Luka Doncic, who is not named, averaging 25, 8, and 8, and guys like Devin Booker, who's averaging over 25 points and shooting extremely efficiently from the field, playing for one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Um, I understand that fans do have a vote, and that's a very important part of the process, and it makes it fun and enjoyable, but you want to see the best players. You want to see the players that are going to put in a show that are going to be involved, and you want to reward guys like defense. You see, you've seen Draymond Green. You've seen guys like Ben Wallace in there, who obviously don't bring a lot offensively, but they're so important to the game, they have to be a part of it. I don't necessarily know what Andrew Wiggins brings to this game that a lot of these players can't. Um, it does suck because by bringing him into it, uh, not even as a reserve, you're he's going to be in there for the final fourth quarter of this game. You know, he's going to be in there for the start of the game. And from from a fan perspective, he's not who I'm there to watch. You know, if he was out here averaging close to 30, even in the mid 20s, I'd be a lot more impressed. But we saw what he did on the Timberwolves in a much more expanded role, and I think he's a tremendous role player. I think he's a very important piece of the Golden State Warriors, but he is not who I want to watch in the NBA All-Star game. Uh, for the Eastern Conference, uh, I was very happy that when I did these predictions uh, early on in the podcast, uh, I only got one wrong, and that was because I thought Joel Embiid was not going to have enough games to be eligible to start, but obviously Joel Embiid has come back with a force and has turned himself into the MVP favorite so far this season, so I'm very happy to see him in the starting lineup. Uh, it's you know Zach Levine has had an incredible season, but it makes sense to put in Joel Embiid over a guy like Zach Levine. Uh, this this team just looks fun. There really isn't any sub or snub that I would put in over one of these guys. You can argue maybe Zach Levine over Trey Young, but just to get like more of a point guard perspective and try and keep it as kind of natural as possible, I think Trey Young's having an incredible season, even though the Hawks are in a downturn, you know, as the 11th seed right now. I mean, Trey Young, what he does in the offensive end, you want to talk about, you know, the spectacle of the All-Star game, the ability to put on, put on a show, and if there's anybody that can match Steph Curry shooting or at least try and get there, it's going to be Trey Young. So they're going to be pulling up from half court, throwing great alley-oops, running fast breaks. So that's what I'm here for. I'm rooting for the Eastern Conference all the way. I think it's going to be a really cool show to watch. And hopefully we'll see some really good all-star reserves in there and some, you know, mixing the first-time all-stars. Um, it's really great to see John Morant in there. John Morant has been playing out of his mind as a first-time all-star, especially coming in as a starter. Uh, what he's been able to do for those Grizzlies teams has been amazing. And we will get into him and some of the other younger guys in the league, uh, we are going to be talking about young NBA duos. Uh, I'm going to be featuring three of my personal favorite young NBA duos so far this season. Uh, I'm really going to be focusing on anybody that's 23 and younger. Uh, so it kind of removes like the Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown of the world. 
Uh, so I'm super excited to get into that as well as later on uh, before the trade deadline, I'm going to be featuring all breakdown of all 30 NBA teams. So be sure to check that out on YouTube, TikTok, as well as Instagram. So you're going to be able to see, you know, what I think, how we can fix these teams before the trade deadline and, you know, what, how that process is going to look like. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And let's hop right into it. If you're signing up for an NBA League Pass subscription or you're looking to illegally download and stream whatever NBA game you can, one of the first names you need to pull up are the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets have an NBA young duo in LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges that are must-watch television. LaMelo being only 20 years old, Miles Bridges being 23. It's a great combo as well as just so damn fun to watch. LaMelo Ball is definitely the leading star of this group being the former number two overall pick. He definitely comes with a lot of pedigree, but he's leading up to it. I think obviously with rookie of the year last year and how he's been able to take a step up and kind of lead Charlotte into that top of the play-in, a potential top six seed as well. I think that he's been able to really step up and be that leader that this team needs. Averaging 19-7-7, and LaMelo has shown that he has the jump shot to do it. He's shooting over seven attempts per game and to be able to average about that 36%, you're going to slowly start to see him creep into that 40% gear, I think later on in his career. Career, but just based on that pure volume and also not a lot of them are off catch and shoot opportunities. He does a lot for this team to create offense. He has one of the highest usage rates of point guards in the league. He's in the top 10. So for him to carry a lot of that burden on his on his back is, is very, very impressive. And what Miles Bridges has been able to do is kind of insane. I don't want to say it's like a Julius Randle-esque growth, but because Julius Randle kind of stepped, stepped himself into that all-NBA status. But Miles Bridges has definitely put himself in the conversation to be recognized as an all-star this year. He has gone from a 12.6 rebound, 2 assist season last year, to now a 20.7 rebound, almost 4 assist season. And he's nearly increased his volume by double. You know, the coach has really put a lot of confidence in him to be a potential go-to option. The Hornets are a very balanced team, and I think Melo does a great job of just showing where, where these guys need to be. You have guys like Terry Rogier and Gordon Hayward as very reliable offensive players who can kind of get their own. But Miles Bridges, you've seen him on streak. He started the season off. He had f- and five out of six games scoring over 30 points. You saw him over the last couple of games averaging over 26 over a five-game stretch. So he has just been a tremendous asset and not afraid of anything. He's He's a very strange size. You kind of look at him from like a more athletic Draymond. He's six foot seven, about two thirty, very stocky in that sense. But he is a high flyer. When Lamella Ball and Miles Bridges get into the open court, it is very hard to stop. They're so fun to watch, but it's terrifying. You look at them in a two-on-one, you just duck your head, get out of the way, because it's going to be an easy two points, because LaMelo has an incredible floater game. He is ambidextrous. He can work off his right or left hand. You've seen him throwing between-the-legs passes, right behind his back, no look, and Miles Bridges catches it and absolutely throws it down. From an NBA fan perspective, it is incredible. You have to watch the Charlotte Hornets, because you never know what's going to happen. And when you incorporate all that, they're flashy, but they're precise. They're efficient. And I really like how the coach has them organized because LaMelo, for all the uses that he has, he's averaging just three turnovers a game. And Miles Bridges is averaging under two turnovers a game. And they're the two highest usage players on this team. So for a young team like the Charlotte Hornets, and like I said, they do have guys like Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. But I think that they're one you know, big player away. Maybe it is a big man, maybe it is a shooting guard from taking this to the next level. But this team's going to go as far as LaMelo goes. And if Miles Bridges continues to be that 20-plus point-per-game player to kind of feed off of 
Lamelo with that secondary playmaking, you're going to see the Charlotte Hornets starting to step their way up into NBA contender status. I think right now they're going to be a, you know a thorn in the side of a lot of these top players like the uh, Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, and maybe even the Chicago Bulls. But I think that they're you know one or two seasons away before really starting to focus on that Eastern Conference Finals. And when you see when you're a free agent and you're stepping into a situation where you can sign a long-term deal, and if the Hornets are eventually going to be able to get off Gordon Hayward's contract or Terry Rozier's contract, and they're going to have money to play with, the Charlotte Hornets are going to be a destination to want to be around. Plus, with an NBA owner like Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan wants to win. He wants to be a part of a winning culture. It's just who Michael Jordan is. So he's going to be willing to spend whatever it takes. Plus, leading into it, Miles Bridges is up for free agency. He's going to get himself $100 million. Then you're stepping into Lamella Ball. He's going to be getting some paid too. So that's two max contracts on your roster. So you have, you're going to have a very finite amount of time of how to build this team out. You have the bird rights right there with these two young star players stepping in. But you're going to have to act fast, but you're only going to have so much cap room. You saw what Atlanta was able to do when they went out inside Bogdan Bogdanovich. They went inside Danilo Gallinari. They were able to use all that cap space before they gave John Collins and Trey Young those max contracts and build around it. So I think the Charlotte Hornets kind of need to take a playbook out of that, and you saw how well it worked out for the Hawks to be able to you know, swoop their way, way into the Eastern Conference Finals. I think if the Hornets stay a little bit more organized and can push in that way, you can see the Hornets playing in the Eastern Conference Finals hopefully soon. There's a team that's taking the NBA by storm, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies are entering the upper echelon of the Western Conference, playing with the big boys like the Utah Jazz, the Golden State Warriors, as well as the Phoenix Suns. And they are led by a very unlikely duo in John Morant and Desmond Bain. Being 22 and 23 years old, respectively, they are coming out firing. You hear a lot of conversations, obviously, about John Morant, and for good reason. He's an MVP candidate. He is a most improved player candidate. He is an all-star starter. The list goes on and on. He has improved his jump shot. He's increased his playmaking. He's increased his efficiency. He's leading the team on defense. John Moran can do anything and everything. But a big thing I really really want to feature is his running mate. Because he has two options. You have a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. And you have a guy like Desmond Bain. The reason that I'm going with somebody like Desmond Bain is because of the pure consistency factor. I love what he's been able to do as a shooter. Desmond Bain has stepped up this year. He's put himself into the most improved player category by increasing his points by over 10 points. He's shooting very efficiently at 42% from three, increasing his three-point attempts by over three a game at almost average seven. So for him, he's shooting 42% for back-to-back seasons. He's entering that elite category, and he's got just such a great build. He's six foot five. 215 and he has incredible secondary playmaking for him to be able to do this and play such a great complimentary role John Morant attracts so much attention players like John Morant are going to lock down that all-star starter position for realistically they're going to monopolize it they're going to look at it like a CP3 and they're just going to be in that role for 10 plus years that's the kind of player John Morant is and it's terrifying and it should scare the hell out of the Western Conference but now you have the perfect complimentary player to Ja because Ja is going to attract two players every single time he drives and he's going to grow in his playmaking every single time. So for him to be able to get involved, get in the paint and kick it out to an elite shooter in Desmond Bain who's going to knock down shots on a consistent basis, that's going to level this team up. That's been a big knock on a guy like Dylan Brooks who just hasn't had that consistency on the three-point range. He's got a great body at six foot seven, two twenty-five, and takes on a lot of those bigger wing defensive roles. But he really doesn't have that offensive consistency. He's, you know, 
splurged out and gone off for like 25 points on multiple streaks. He's averaged over close to 20 points per game, but just doesn't have that consistency piece to really pull it all together. I love what Desmond Bain is able to do next to John Moran in the backcourt, and I think that's going to be a massive future for this team. You're looking at what Ja and Desmond Bain are able to do. They run a little bit also of a two-man game. You see what they've been able to do in Taylor Jenkins' offense and how it's so free-flowing. He's been able to run Desmond Bain into pick and roll and move Ja off the ball as a cutter, move him coming off screens, and kind of running him in that Steph Curry sense. But a lot of those elevator screens come right back to the top, and you see Ja break off it and start that pick and roll off it like off of Jaron Jackson Jr. and also throw some back screens from Steven Adams. This team is going to be a powerhouse in the Western Conference for a very long time. If the Warriors are going to continue to be the evil empire that they are, as well as the Phoenix Suns, you know, they're a little bit older. Obviously, you have the Warriors stars who are in the 30s. You have the stars of the Phoenix Suns who are in their 30s as well. You know, Devin Booker's young, same with Aiden. But CP3 is that engine. Does this team look different once CP3 is removed? I think so. The Memphis Grizzlies are young. They are led by a young John Morant, and he is going to take this league by storm. And if they stay right, Memphis Grizzlies are going to be here for a very long time. But it's going to come down to money. Memphis Grizzlies are a small market team. Are they going to pay a premium price to keep this core team together? I'm not too sure. I hope so. I really want to. As a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I want to see small markets win. I want to see. I was very hyped when the Milwaukee Bucks were able to come away for the championship. I love when teams are able to do that. So they're going to need to sign Ja. He's going to work himself into a super max by making an all NBA team, which is he's pretty much a lock for if he keeps playing at this rate. And then Desmond Bain is going to work himself into a nice contract. Jaron Jackson Jr. just got himself $100 million. That money is going to start adding up. And while Ja Morant is able to elevate his game, it's going to be up to these guys to constantly find diamonds in the rough, constantly find this great talent, but also lock them up long term. You know, I'm not saying they have to take team friendly deals. I'm not saying anybody should have to do that, but they're going to have to manage their money very well and enter that luxury tax in some capacity if they're going to want to play with the big boys. You see how much the Golden State Warriors are paying because they want to win. I want to see the Memphis Grizzlies do that, and hopefully they'll continue to do something along those lines so the Memphis Grizzlies can be championship contenders for a long time. A team that was expected to be near the lottery of the Eastern Conference now has two budding young All-Stars in Darius Garland and Jared Allen, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. These two, at 22 and 23 years old, are taking the league by storm and are, have turned into one of the best pick-and-roll runners in the league. Both of them, right now, have the potential to be NBA All-Star reserves, and they both deserve it. Starting off with Darius Garland, he has taken the loss of Ricky Rubio, the loss of Colin Sexton, the injuries that have happened throughout the season, the COVID protocols that come along with it, and he has led this team in points as well as assists, averaging 20 points and 8 assists per game. He has increased his shooting, he's increased his volume, his handle is absolutely incredible, and his IQ is off the charts. Coming out of Vanderbilt, he was an incredible shooter, but a lot of questions were about his passing, and unfortunately because he got injured early in the season, he only played in five games. He did not get the rep of being able to be a pure point guard. A lot of them saw him as a combo guard, potentially as a poor man's Damian Lillard, which in my opinion is a great comparison, but it's very tough to see if he was going to be able to run an offense. And what he's been able to do stepping into his third season and being the go-to guy where the offense runs through him, you see what he's been able to do as well as similar to like what LaMelo has done in Charlotte as well as John Moran has done in Memphis and just run the offense through them saying, get on my back, let's do this. How he's been able to pair with a guy like Jared Allen has been second to none. 
these two have a top five efficiency when it comes to pick and roll points per possession. So for them, it's just what they do so well. And I think what J.B. Bakerstaff has done for Cleveland, he deserves a pat on the back as well as a conversation for Coach of the Year. He puts them in a position to succeed incredibly. They are one of the most well-run offenses that you see today. They don't they're not flashy. They don't necessarily have the best offensive options, but they work very well with what they have. And Jarrett Allen has nearly doubled his attempts per game since his days in Brooklyn. He was averaging 5.4 attempts per game in Brooklyn. Now he's averaging close to 10 attempts per game. But his percentages and field goal percentages have not dropped. He still has a career average of 69% per game on field goals. That's insane. He's attacking mismatches over and over and over, and that's what Darius has done well. He has had bigs switch onto him over, and he knows how to make the right pass. And if he's not able to get the ball to Jarrett down low, he'll swing it over to the wing, whether it's Chetty Osman, Evan Mobley, or a guy like Isaac Okoro, and they'll feed it down low to Jarrett and let him go to work. He is in the top five in field goal percentage for the league. He is top 10 in rebounds. He is top 15 in PER. Jarrett Allen is currently on his way to being an all-NBA defender, and he is making that five-year, $100 million contract look like an absolute steal. If Jaron Allen can continue to play this way, and as Darius Garland continues to grow, because I think for him, you're going to start to look at him, John Morant, Trey Young, and LaMelo Ball as potential top five point guards in the league sooner rather than later. And I think that conversation is going to be had, especially when it comes to Darius Garland. He can do everything. And I think what breaks him apart from John Morant is his jump shot. John Moran is an elite athlete and is able to get to the basket on any day that he wants. Darius Garland, his ability to shoot off the dribble, reminds you so much of Dame Lillard. You see what he's able to do coming off screens. You see what he's able to do coming off of just step backs and mid-range and floaters and how he's able to disguise his passes. That's a big part of being a key playmaker and what he's, I think what he's been able to do and learn off from Ricky Rubio is his passing disguise. When he runs into a pick and roll, he has a split second to decide if he's going to hit the cutter, hit the lob man, or float it. And I think how he's been able to disguise those passes to make his floater look like an alley-oop pass or make his pass look like a floater, he has been able to just dissect it over and over and over, and that is why Cleveland is in the position that they are. They have 30 wins, they have 19 losses, and it comes on the back of these two young all-stars. Jared Allen is locked up long-term for the next five years. Darius Garland is going to be extension eligible this year, in the offseason, if they don't give him a max contract, I have no idea what kind of revolt is going to come in Cleveland. But looking at this team, and then you pair them with guys like Evan Mobley, who looks like a budding superstar. You can switch him out for Jared Allen. I just think Jared Allen is ready to go right now. Then you have a player like Isaac Okoro, who is the perfect defender next to Darius Garland, who feeds off his weaknesses, but he needs to improve his jump shot. This team is going to be ready to go and build off of, and it's just insane to look at. And for Cleveland, these two guys are going to lead this team to the future and look like two all-stars ready to go right now. The NBA thrives off of star power. So it's great to see teams like Cleveland, Memphis, and Charlotte have these young duos that they can build off of and lead them into championship contender windows. How they build around them will remain to be seen. But I'm excited to see guys like John Morant, Darius Garland, and Mella Ball lead this team as the engines and have their running mate like a jo- like a Jared Allen a Miles Bridges, or even a Desmond Bain, who may not get the shine that he deserves. It's super exciting to see, and that's what makes the NBA so great. So that pretty much wraps it up for everything over here at Courtside Views. Be sure to check us out for the trade deadline predictions coming up. Be sure to check us out as well as all forms of social media. Let us know what you think. Give us feedback. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a comment, and be ready. Show us your view. 
Have a good one, guys.